What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 131 Podcast. Today is episode seven, and we have the legendary coach, Paul Spear, in the house. What's going on, Spear? Hey, thanks for protecting our uh, freedom there, Lib. And uh, thanks for making the most of our freedom, Aaron. Having some fun. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah, we've been uh we've been dying to get this one together. Um, Coach Spear, right now, he's the athletic director at Framingham High School. He's been in that position for uh, quite a while now, um, but we know him from high school hockey. He was our coach uh, for our uh, four years there. So before we get into the the background and the interview, uh, we just want to talk about the NHL and see what your thoughts are on the 2014 playoff. Um, well, I mean, obviously there's probably some unfairness to the teams that were way up at the top there at the, in, at the end of the season. Certainly, I think the Bruins would have more appreciated their uh, position at the end of the season than where they're going to be now. So um, I don't know probably puts an asterisk on whoever, you know, advances and wins the whole thing. And that's a little unfortunate. So um, I like the NBA's approach where they're kind of picking up where they left off and they're going to have a full playoff because they don't want to have the asterisk next to it. So, but um, I don't know, it certainly will be interesting, you know, through one, one through 24 in there and have them all go at it. So that, you know, that'd be cool too. I'm yeah, just glad there's going to be some hockey. You know? I know. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. Even if it's like July or August, like, you know, uh, cooking up steaks and watching hockey outside sounds like a good time for me. Yeah. We probably would have had the start of the finals in the last day or so. And, you know, yeah, we can only imagine that the Bruins would have had a good shot at being there. So. Yeah. And maybe the thing I always think about too, with the Bruins now is like, they're, they're an older team. Is this like a bad thing they're not playing, or could this be a good thing with them resting? And you know, some guys play at nagging injuries that were lingering all season. I don't know. Me personally, I would the way they were playing and the position they were in. I, you want to play, players yeah. want to play. You know, you don't want to talk about rest and injury. You know, resting injury. Yeah. You want to play and get the job yeah. done. I think too with like that with like teams kind of peaking at the right time. Like last year, we I think we saw Tampa Bay peak way too early and. You saw what happened in the first round. Yeah. Well, yeah. Regular season doesn't mean crap when you get to the playoffs. Yes. So, and lineups on paper don't mean shit, right, Spear? <laughs> I never use that language, coaching. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're gonna get into the uh, the coaching background. Uh, Acorn, you want to break us down? All right. So. How, what what was your first year with Framingham when you became the high school coach? Uh, 99-2000. So right. it was – Who was your captain? Uh, Sean Glover, Matt Brown, and Justin Moranzetti were the three guys who were captains. And uh, I was told we didn't have much of a team and that things were going downhill. And that was fine by me. I looked at it still as a great opportunity and was excited to jump in and see what I could do. Well, you took your team to the Garden within your first, what, three years? Uh, in the fourth year, we made it to the Garden. Yeah, we fourth were, year, sorry. We were a game away in that first year. We went down to Falmouth and I thought had a real good chance to beat that team. And we had two really unfortunate goals. One bounced in off of one of our defenseman's skates. And we ended up getting beat in a, in a game at Bourne where there were probably 3,000 people at the game and 2,500 of them were, were for Falmouth and about four or 500 <laughs> for Framingham. So... It was a lot of fun to play in that atmosphere and, uh, um, you know, but we ended up a game short of the garden that year that we had the quarterfinals would have been played at the garden. So we had a decent playoff run that year and I think did a lot better than people um, thought we were going to. Yeah. I was going to say, so when you, after you, so say, you know, you're assessing how year one went, like what was your biggest takeaway? Do you think? Uh, we bonded with the players really well. It was interesting. My first meeting with the three captains, I, told them we were going to wear ties before the games and told them we were going to have a curfew and, you know, just some other things. And, um, and I don't think they were too thrilled about some of that stuff. And, um, you know, but uh, I think they took to it and understood that, you know, we were trying to, you know, institute our way of doing things. And, um, and you know, and, it, and by the end of the year, we had bonded really well with our seniors and 
um, you know, that was a real easy year. Those guys were uh, excited to have more like a, you know, players coach. And it was, we were at such a difference from the previous coaching yeah. staff that I think guys were, you know, they, I think they took to it. A lot of them did. Yeah. Did you have, you had, did you have Turk and uh, Dutcher with you that year? Yeah, I was going to yeah, ask they were, that. Yeah, they were with me the whole time. They, you know, okay. Mike took one year off when he first had kids because, you know, his family was just starting and, yeah. Um, and then he took one year off, sat in the stands, went crazy and wished he was back there. And, and then he came back the next season. So um, interestingly enough, he was going to be leaving um, when I took the athletic director's job that he was going to have left again because he got appointed assistant chief with the fire department, just wouldn't have had um, time, particularly with his kids. So, um, yeah, so we were, we were basically together the whole time. Yeah, you guys, I always felt like you guys were super close, especially the three of you. And then you guys obviously brought on um, Syriac, too, who was an awesome awesome goalie coach, was very knowledgeable. Yeah, Tony uh, was a, a real good addition for us. He, uh, I had been trying and trying to find a cons some consistency with a goalie coach. I think the relationship they create with goaltenders, and we always had good goalies, um, yeah. is really important. You know, that, yeah. that bond needs to be there, that sense of trust. So, and we, you know, we had certainly had our arguments. I mean, we would, you know, sit in the coach's room and go over things and we would have uh, disagreements. But whenever we left, you know, we were all on the same page. And even if guys disagreed, they would still, um, you know, they would, we, we would agree that this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to coach it and we'd move forward. Speaking yeah. of the coach's room, Acorn, <laughs> do you remember that one time we saw on the board, <laughs> there was like, a bottom number. I think it was the amount of guys who were skating like, for trials. It was like sixty, like sixty guys. And there was like the number ten was on top, and then it was like equals. Not happy with puke percentage. So 10, 10, 10 of the sixty guys puked on day one. I believe that was our. That wasn't freshman year. I think that was sophomore year. Yeah, that would have been that would have been two thousand um, two thousand eleven. Yeah, no, well, sorry, I, we weren't trying to make anybody puke, but, you know, <laughs> they came in and they weren't in shape and things happened, yeah, you know. You, fa you found out. Yeah, some of the guys the bucket at center sat ice. down. Yeah, yeah well, that the rink did that. They didn't appreciate having to clean stuff up off the ice after we were done, so they figured strategically place a few buckets out there. But uh, mostly that was, you know, to try to, you know, let guys know, hey, you should be in shape and – yeah. It took on like a life of its own because guys would get excited about the first day and talk about not eating lunch and go to other kids in the calf and say, you better not eat that, you know, taco because it's going to end up on the ice in about three hours. And well, I think uh, too, yeah. <laughs> it's taco day, don't eat the tacos. Yeah. I, think, I think you told Whatever me that, it was. Like our, yeah. Oh yeah. But I mean, it, I mean, if you weren't in shape, you, you found out Monday. Yeah, well, and you also found out what you had if guys went and sat in the, you know, in the penalty box or went and sat in the bench and said, oh, my, my skate, you know, is digging <laughs> into my ankle or, you know, they were making up reasons why they didn't want to be out there. And you could, uh, you could filter out guys that were going to be leaders on that first day and you could see the guys who, you know, needed to sort of be the followers too, so. Yeah, I'll never forget my first Monday tryout. It was, it was tough. Just because we, I mean, we were still, it's, I think it's too it's different with the freshmen just because you don't skate ever that, like that much in a game. And especially the speed is different because you're going with guys who are 18 years old, who are pretty much men at the time or degenerates, if you want to call them that. But they, they're a lot more seasoned <laughs> when it comes to the skating. When you see someone playing, you know, a defenseman that's playing, I don't know, 17 minutes a night at varsity level compared to a kid who's coming from middle school, like, my legs hurt so bad the next day, and I'm pretty sure, like, we were done at tryouts at, like, I don't know, 5.30. I'm pretty sure I was in bed by 7 on that <laughs> Monday night. Yeah, I, re I remember yeah. feeling that way. The, the lower back, the lower back gave out Oh, because you're point. bent over. Yep. <laughs> um, there's also nerves and the sense of newness that when you get out there, you don't really know the coaches, and you, you're frightened as to what's going to happen, and, of course – Mike was probably screaming and Tony was probably screaming and, you know, <laughs> Will was there. He was probably doing it. And, you know, we were trying to create an atmosphere where guys were, you know, having to work under a sense of urgency and put a little pressure on people and see how they react. And I remember uh, 
John Baspis, we were doing circle drills and he had a stick. He hit me right off the head with his stick. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I chased him up the ice saying, that's great, Baspis, you're a freshman. First thing you do is hit the head coach in the head with your stick. And, I think uh, my brother was at that tryout, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we gave him the nickname Spaz after that. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, uh, that was just like the introduction. I remember him and I coming in. We we were like we had no we had no idea what to expect. Uh, obviously, not to sit in locker room D first tryout. Yeah, the older guys probably would have frowned upon that. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we, cause we came in in uh, 09, uh, 10. So kind of like go, so you're moving on from like the 04 team and then you're going through the years and then you have that 2009 team. Uh, Lost that was, yeah, that was the Natick game. Yeah. And then the 2000. Custer's, Custer's, the older Custer was the goalie and he saved their bacon that game. I remember. Yeah. We had some real good battles with Natick over the years, and those were always fun. Um, certainly, you know, would like to have gotten a couple of those back and had them go a different yeah. way. But, you know, those you remember all those things, the, the good times, the disappointments are certainly stick out too. And, you know, but I, I, I mean, we started out really good in 2000, and um, I thought, you know, we built it to a crescendo in 04 and I kind of thought by 06, 07, we'll be back at a top level. And yeah, and we missed the super eight. We were real close in, uh, I think oh, it was 2007 and 08, you know? Yeah. Chris was a senior in 08. Yeah. That team was him right. and, um, Mike Peerless, right? Those were like yeah, the big guys. The year we had Mikey McDonald and, uh, yeah. Joey Degnan and that crew, we had a very, very good team then. But, I mean, we had Love a good Jeff. team in 02. We, I think we were a 15 and one in the league. And, um, you know, but, but my, my approach was a lot different than the previous coach. When I came in, we didn't play Catholic Memorial. We didn't play uh, any of the Catholic conference teams. In fact, one of the first bus rides, I said to the guys, you know, tell me the teams and the different leagues that they're in. And nobody understood how high school hockey worked. They didn't understand how the Super 8 got picked. Like guys just didn't have any comprehension of it because we played league games only, recycled league games, and public school teams. And um, I wanted to sort of get us to kind of where we are now, um, which was that we parentally played these Catholic teams. There was no intimidation factor. And I think the first few years, people were kind of wondering, like, why are we playing these teams? This is stupid. We're getting killed. Um, and over time, it just became, this is who we play. And uh, if you're, you know, you're going to play in Framingham, you're going to play BC High, you're going to play CM, you're going to play Stavarian, you're going to play Springfield Cathedral uh, during the regular season. And we thought that was a good sales approach to keep kids. So, um, you know, I think that was a, a, a culture change type deal. Yeah, I remember when we were playing that, like, besides our in-league games, like everything that was out of league was those Catholic. Hard. Those hard, those yeah. hard, those or, hard or, or hang them, or hang yeah, them. or yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, the only non-league teams, the only public teams we play are the best ones in the state. You know, those were the ones that we wanted to play. And um, I always thought if we can't make the tournament by being second in the league or being 500, then and, and I probably scheduled us out of the tournament a couple times. Um, you know, the times that we didn't make it, we we barely missed it. We missed it by a point, or we missed it by. Yeah you know, like, uh, one, two points, you know, and we were in it to the last day and I could have gone and scheduled a few cupcakes, you know, a little few easier teams <laughs> got Blood in, dogs. you know, Brooke, but, um, Point night. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I didn't, I didn't think that was the right thing to do. If you drop those games off your schedule, you don't get them back. And so, you know, I didn't want to be in a position where guys say, Oh yeah. You know, when you, when you thought you were down a little, you dropped those games and now you want them back and guess what? We're, we're not interested. I think the first thing, like, just because when I, like, I started going to the games, I was like when Willie Ortiz was there, who was absolute stud. Um, hockey meant more to me when, like, Adam was there. When you had, you know, Adam was a senior with, you know, Jeff Tardiff, and you guys played uh, Walpole at Iorio. And I guys, I think it went to, like, triple overtime. I remember Tardiff tied yeah. the game. And goddamn, I remember, I know his name because my brother's best friends with the kid from Walpole from college. I, drink water was the one yep. who scored the winner and goal and I was yeah. so pissed yeah they had a really good team that was yeah. I mean I think on paper they were you know 
not, not that I, my, I would always preach paper means nothing, but the bottom line is statistically, and if you looked at it point-wise, you know, yeah. they, they had a little, they had a pretty good team. And our guys played their hearts out that night. And, yeah, um, that was a great game. You know, yeah, I thought we, uh, I thought we sort of exceeded expectations in that game. And if we ever could have pulled that, we, we were not, we were never an easy out in the playoffs, you know. Um, no, never. I mean, it, my, yeah, last, my last game was a little tough. We lost like five to one or something, but, um, but you know, I mean, that was an anomaly because there was never a time when even we played Braintree one year and we were getting killed. I think it was five, nothing. And we lost the game five to four and we had the puck in their end with, you know, Brendan Manzella was the captain in 05. It was 05. And, um, we started out the game, just got pummeled, but we never quit and came back. And like I said, it was five, four, we took a draw. We had an offensive chance to tie the game and, and then the, the clock expired. But um, I'm proud of the fact that the guys always played hard and never quit, regardless of what the score ever was. I think with, especially with your philosophy, I think effort was always there with the teams. And like, no matter, like we obviously were never the most skilled team against, you know, yeah. the, especially the Catholic schools, but you knew what you were going to get from us, that we were going to work our, our bag off and, follow our yeah, system I, and try to you know block shots and try to be as consistent as we could I don't think anybody will ever say that they played Framingham teams when when I was around that would roll over you know I mean we I, there were some games where we had we just were outgunned there was superior talent and um you know but we always guys would always play their hardest and I'm proud of that 100% I totally agree with that and one game that always comes back to my mind is us tying BC high at BC high on like that yeah. night where they were had like some functional dinner after the game. And we, I think Corey Gorvitz hit the crossbar on a penalty shot and we almost won. Oh yeah. 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 I was, uh, I was president of the state coaches association at the time and Joe McCabe, who was their longtime coach had just retired and they were going to have a celebration for him at BC High, right down the street from UMass Boston after the game. So I wasn't taking the bus back. I was going to speak on behalf of the Coaches Association at BC High after the game. And uh, I'm pretty sure that they thought, you know, let's pick the Framingham game to do the Joe McCabe night because we'll definitely win. Yeah. And then it'll be a nice celebration for us back at BC High. And, uh, well, they got a big surprise. And um, I remember uh, we were winning that game late into yep. the game. and. Yeah. Uh, Connor Nugent was uh, missed the coverage in front. And he probably still uh, can hear the ringing in his ears from me yelling at him. When he got back to the bench, he just had his he had his uh, heels inside the crease a little bit, and the kid just snuck up in that in that yeah. weak spot up there in the slot and had a wide open shot on net and scored, tied the game. And then yeah, Corey had a um, he had a penalty shot with about a minute left, and it hit the crossbar, went straight down, fluttered on the goal line, and and didn't, didn't go in. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, yeah. we were that close, that you know. But it was exciting. We beat BCI um, two years ago uh, at Framingham, and they were ranked number one in the state. And, you know, it's it's different as an athletic director to watch it, but it's still, uh, you know, it makes you proud to see that, you know, the team and the town and the, um, the coaching staff took so much pride in beating BCI because – you know, they know what's at stake and they know the history of it. And so we're all, we're all happy that night for sure. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's talk about the handoff to Willie. What what was that like? Did you already have him like, kind of like penciled in or were you just like, like, what was, what was that conversation um, like? Well, I mean, there wasn't, there was interviews, which I had to recuse myself from the interviews. And um, obviously I think uh, having Will played for me, we were very close then. Um, he coached with us for six years and, you know, we stayed close there. He came to work at the high school. Uh, we used to plan practice together every day. Um, it was, you know, I, I was confident he would, he would do a, a real good job. And, um, you know, there were some things we had to make sure that, you know, uh, he was going to, you know, really put in that, that extra effort and he's surpassed anything that I could have expected in terms of the amount of effort that he puts into it and the connection he makes with the kids. And, and, um, so, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't an automatic slam dunk. He had to really want it and express that. And, okay. and, you know, I, my, my hope was a commitment for, you know, a long-term deal that, you know, he wanted to stick around and framing him and not just take it for a year and then try to jump off something else, you know? 
Yeah. And I think too, going for me was remember how Willie started doing those skill camps and then he had us basically do like a preseason with him our senior year. That was one thing where I was like, okay, he's like, he's legit. And he's, he, he bought in completely. And he was always so vocal, especially when we did like video sessions. And obviously it's great to hear from a, a former professional hockey player because he's, he won probably right there with, Corzini and Bellafe as talent wise in pro in premium high hockey. And he's he's been there. So like you obviously I, I try to be a sponge with everything with him with hockey because obviously he's so knowledgeable. Yeah, I mean, Will I think is probably coaching is a little like songwriting. You never really do anything that original. You just steal from a whole bunch of different people and you know, uh make yeah. it your own. And I think he's done a real good job. He's had some great coaches. So he's been able to take the best from everybody. And then, you know, then you be yourself and, you know, by stealing from different places and and taking the best things from each place, um, you're able to form your own philosophy and your own way of doing things. And it's clear he's, you know, he certainly has been able to do that. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, envious of the results. I I wish I could have figured some of those things out myself, but um, yeah. You know, he's got a great group of kids to work with, and uh, and that's just a compliment to him and his coaching staff. And I'm proud that um, at one point, uh, Will was coaching with Scotty and Billy Pescasolito, and the JV coaches were Brett Moreau, and um, and then the middle school coaches were Jeff Tardiff and Brendan Manzella. So, I mean, throughout the entire program, it was all guys that played during the time that we were there. And I think that says something about if guys didn't like – the time they were having, if they didn't have a great experience, they certainly wouldn't come back. They'd want, they wouldn't want to have that connection to the program. And I think, you know, seeing Tommy Leone coaching JVs with Brett Moreau and seeing Scotty Savard coach with Will Ortiz, it tells you that these guys appreciated uh, the experience they had and, um, and they come back to help and give back. And there's no greater compliment I think you can get as a coach than to see the coaching tree extend to the program that you had. So that's good stuff to me. Yeah. So as the as the AD, have you seen um, like an influx of guys wanting to play more hockey? Because I know the big thing was like, don't leave high school hockey to go play midgets early. Don't leave high school hockey to go play junior uh, juniors. Have you seen more guys wanting to commit to high school hockey? So um, I took the AD job because I thought um, I could – affect some change in some other sports at Framingham High. And, um, and then the combination of the real frustration was um, having to chase eighth graders every year and the intensity with which you'd have to try to put into convincing these kids that Framingham High School was the best place. And we had the good fortune. And I mean, I was preaching to some of these eighth graders who were on our current, who are on the team this past year saying, if you stay here, we will be a Super 8 team. And we not only will be a team that will be in the Super 8, but we could compete to win this thing. Um, you know, high school hockey, the dynamics change. The Catholics can't dominate the way that they once did because uh, juniors and full-season midgets level the playing field. And the way that um, the private schools are taking kids away as well or, or, you know, having kids transfer over to them, it's leveled the playing field. So if you have – if you can get some good players to public high school, you can compete to win the thing. And so, you know, seeing some of those kids who left come back made a huge difference. Um, But, but that said, Eric, we still have people, kids that, you know, they leave. I'll never never understand that. I just like, you're not going to, most of the people that do this, like they don't, they don't go anywhere. Like they don't take it as hockey. If it's for a different educational opportunity that they think is superior to what, we can give them at Framingham High School. I get it. But, you know, we have the same problem in other sports, and we com- we're combating it with, with other sports where, you know, there's a, there's a value to the experience of playing in front of 5,000 people on Thanksgiving Day to play football. So yeah. you don't have to go somewhere else, you know. Um, but, you know, it's a battle you have every year, and when you're in this business, that's what you do. Um, it, it became tough on me because we just kept having to – fight that battle year after year. And at some point I was like, you know what? It's time for somebody younger to, to start tackling this problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And I think that last game they played against Arlington that I saw, that was the last home game. Cause I think they played one more after that, but they went down to Bourne, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. 
Yep. That that Arlington team was legit, and it's it's awesome to see how competitive they are because they were not very good when we were in high school. Oh uh, yeah, well they've they've certainly made a they've they're resurgent. Their coach um, has a son on the team and coached that group of kids growing up, and they all. You know, they made a commitment at the young age to stay together and to try to put a team together to win the 1A tournament. And, you know, that's certainly something that we're, we're trying to do in framing him is create that type of atmosphere where kids think every year, hey, this is the place to go. Yeah, it also helps that when you have a Northeastern commit on your team too for public school. <laughs> uh, yeah, especially when it's, you know, the coach's son and you're, you know, he's helping you recruit all the other kids saying, I'm staying and – I mean, that's really the way it works is the better, you know, sometimes the better players are the best recruiters because they can say to other kids, hey, I'm sticking around. You should do the same thing, you know. And when do you ever see a public D1 commit? You know what I mean? It's not a common occurrence. Like, I think the last one I saw when I was there was um, some kid on Hingham was like a Holy Cross commit. And I mean, it's Holy Cross, not like a, a real, like a big time D1, but like besides Willie, I think TJ Walsh ended up playing a couple of games at BU, but I think there's some influence that his dad was a former BU guy, so. Not, I'm not saying anything against that, but yeah, like when I think of D1 players that are played public, like Willie's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. So everyone's been asking us, and we're going to talk about why the, why the podcast is called 131 <laughs> A chord. All right. So I, I commend you for this decision because I thought it was going to work. And I think we, we took away from when the Tampa Bay Lightning did the one three one and it worked when they had Guy Boucher as coach. But again, they're also a professional team. And I thought it was going to work when we, we were going up against BC High. And we practiced it for about an hour and a half for, I don't know, two or three practices before the game. And I'm did it wrong. I'm ten, did it wrong 10 seconds into the game and got scored on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then yeah. I think it, we tried using it again. Yeah, we, we had everybody in position, and then one guy just bit for the puck, and <laughs> they flung it They flung it far yeah. wing, kid walked right in, and yeah. toasted our goalie from about 40 feet out, top dog, and names. went not far down, names. and, you know, that was, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, uh, so. But, you know, when you, when you put in game plans sometimes, uh, you, if you know you're outgunned, you try to pull something out of your hat and if the guys execute, they will believe in it. And all of a sudden they'll come back to the bench and say, coach, it's working. But uh, other times guys uh, don't listen or don't do what they're supposed to. And it breaks down and they come back to the bench (laughs) and you say, "Um, I don't know what you're thinking out there, but you're totally screwing it up. And I'd appreciate it if you'd not do that anymore. But, but the, uh, so the funniest part about all of this was about, let me let me get into this. Right. I got this. so we had like a like a team like Facebook group that like you know our cap at the time would say hey if practice got changed or like any details that something changed with an event that we you know we had so that we could adjust. We get a message at I don't know eight in the morning uh, saying this is a direct message from Coach Spear. Uh, I did not like how last night went. Um, we will uh, we'll be talking about this today at practice, and uh, someone comments, oh, God, we're getting bag skated. And then another player said, oh, maybe we'll be going over the one three one again. <laughs> I think I was ready to give up on the one three one and go with the old, uh, if you don't want to listen, maybe we'll uh, have a little disciplinary-type practice where guys will convince themselves to, uh, to listen the next time. Yeah, we had a I pretty think- hard skate that day, um, but, you know, we, it was warranted for sure. We played like crap. Even though it was against BC High, we could have played a lot better. But that's – when we were thinking of naming the podcast, I was like, one three one, <laughs> And then Eric and I both start dying laughing because we're like, oh, my God, that is a great one because there's so much – there's like a history behind that. So that's where yeah. the name derived from. So Well, thank you for naming your podcast under my, uh, for my unsuccessful strategy. <laughs> So I got to ask, so you meet us and I don't know, you've known me for a lot longer than Eric, just because I was from Framingham and you had my brother as a player. What was your first impressions, impressions of us as high schoolers? Well, I mean, I remember uh, Eric from middle school when he had much longer hair and uh, was just a surly dude. Didn't like to, uh, 
didn't like to talk too much. And uh, I brought Will Ortiz over to Fuller Middle School to tell him, if you don't start behaving yourself and doing things the right way, uh, you're going to have a tough time at, at high school hockey. And I think at the time I said, you know, we'd love to have you be a good player to have in the program. And if you want to find a family, you'll find one at Framingham High. And, uh, and then uh, he showed up and I think, uh, halfway through his freshman year, I called him up to varsity practice and he never showed up. So uh, my first impression was, uh, the hell is wrong with this kid? <laughs> he also so, did get kicked off the middle school team. <laughs> I, I, I also, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to bring that up, but uh, that, that was, I think he, Eric went through the handshake line telling everybody they sucked after they, <laughs> just, yep. just, after they just beat him. And uh, I think Coach Leone had to relate to him, uh, Eric, we don't go through the handshake line and tell everyone they suck here in Framingham. So uh, I think your season's going to be all done. And, uh, and, you know, of course, Aaron, you were one of those rink rat kids that, you know, was always running around if there was a puck shot over the glass or, you know, just always around the rink. I remember seeing you and having your dad was always coaching teams and, um you know, I think uh, it's tough to, you know, when guys are freshmen, when they're young, um, a lot of times people don't understand this. When you're the head coach of the varsity team, you don't want the freshmen to come in and you want, want to be buddies with them, you know, right away. By the time they're seniors, you know, you're ready to, to listen to their input. You're ready to talk to them about what's going on with the team. But as, as freshmen, it's a natural kind of curve that they should go through where they should get to know you. They should be a little intimidated because, um, you know, and, and I mean intimidated in the right way. You know, it, there's a way of you can um, – kids can understand that you care about them, but that you're going to hold them accountable or that you're going to push them or that, you know, or that, hey, I have to pay my dues and in time coach will be close with me. And, um, and sometimes maybe they don't understand that, and that's a tough thing, but um, that's usually when you get parents that are a little upset because they don't think that – you're valuing yep. their, uh, their, you know, their kids' contribution to the team. Um, but then once it's all over, it's amazing how people can see the full picture. And, you know, when you're coaching guys, it really is painting a picture. You treat them one way as a freshman and differently as a sophomore. And by the time they're seniors, when they walk out the door, you know, they're your friends. You can see them out in public and say hello and shoot the breeze, and you look forward to that. So in the end, uh, you guys were definitely – some of the easiest guys to deal with. And uh, I appreciated, uh, I mean, you know, that's sort of like what we have now. You have kids that just are so easy to deal with and they're concentrating on the hockey and they're all about, you know, uh, getting results on the ice. And um, that's, you know, that's not easy in high school. High school comes with a ton of distractions. Uh, guys are, you know, they're, they're, this, they, they, when you start to, when you coach kids who are 12, hockey's all they have. Uh, it's, you know, hockey, hockey, hockey. And then they become 14, 15 and life starts to shoot in a whole bunch of different directions and guys get older and they have more freedom around their house. And, and sometimes the, you know, that can lead them to make decisions that, you know, uh, aren't helpful as far as, uh, trying to win hockey games. And so, um, you know, that's something you, you sign up for as a high school coach, but certainly the more guys that you don't have to battle that with, um, the easier it makes your job. And you guys were two of the easiest guys to coach that I can certainly think of. So um, regardless of my first impressions, uh, you know, my final impression is that uh, you guys were outstanding to have on our team. Yeah. It's like a 180. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely did. I don't know about me. I, I mean, I was, I kind of went more wild when I got to college. Cause I felt like I was so, I, I never really was like, you know, I was all hockey all the time, but when I got to college, it was a different story, but yeah. And I mean, set, 25 now we're old so think yeah but yeah we had a oh, great yeah. time 25 you're real old yeah real <laughs> old i mean look at me i have no hair in my head anymore so <laughs> but, i'm doing uh, all right I'm yeah, doing you, okay, yeah, you, yeah you look a lot younger than i do but uh <laughs> i was gonna ask you so throughout your career do you have a favorite team you coached oh i don't know i mean i i enjoyed coaching you know, I mean, the first team I coached, the o, I mean, the O3 team, we had three guys quit in the middle of a game. And by the end of the season, we, we, you know, we were a game away from the garden playing cathedral and uh, lost a one goal game. And 04, we went to the finals and 
So, I mean, I, I had so much fun with all these different teams. And some of my favorite teams were, you know, we didn't even make the tournament. I think it was 2011 with uh, Zeeland Kronk and, and uh, Bobby Averill and yeah. just a great group of guys. And um, they worked, you know, Connor Nugent and Mikey Giorgetti. And those kids worked so hard and were such good guys. You know, I really wish we could have had better results. But at the end of the day, like, you know, we had one team where we didn't even – we never ran a practice drill all year long. We just played uh, – we played scrimmage games every single practice. They, they didn't have the attention span to stand in line, so we divided them up blue and gray, and we ended up uh, – I got a peach can out of the um, out of the cafeteria. The Dutch took it home, put uh, aluminum foil all around it. We called it the Stanley can, and we just <laughs> ran in yep. – we ran in-practice scrimmages every day, and at the end of the year, this one team won the Stanley can. And the guys would compete sometimes and practice harder against each other than they would on Saturday night against the other team. And, um, yeah. but you know, they had a great experience and a lot of fun. And so, I mean, you know, I can't point to one team and say it was my favorite for sure. And uh, you know, I had fun with, with everybody. Yeah, I feel like that's hard to say when you, when you have yeah. different guys coming in I, through the years. Yep. Yeah. I liked, um, I mean, we were on, we were kind of practicing with the team, but it was all, it was, I liked that 2010 team. They were, they were so talented and that was probably, that was so hard to make the varsity team that year, especially us being freshmen. Cause I think there was what, 14 seniors on that team. Yeah. That team regrettably in, in the playoffs, we really, I felt like we had a real good chance to win a state championship that year. And um, yeah. we lost to a team that, to Barnstable in the playoffs that we never should have lost to them. And, you know, I blame myself for that. I, I didn't have the guys prepared the way they should have been for a, a playoff game. And we scored early in the game, which is probably the worst thing that could have happened because we thought, oh, it's going to be, a, this is going to be easy. We're going to roll these guys. And they took advantage of a couple chances and stretched the ice and scored goals on us. And their goalie, who was an eighth grader at the time, played, outplayed, our, you know, just played a really good game. And, made the saves and ended up, we got upset. So like, that was a tough one. I mean, we, in high school hockey, you know, look at this year, we had Willie Trusquita and we had Jay Candy. Willie led the Willie's way with the points. Uh, yeah. yeah, Willie. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, he led the way with the points and our goaltender, you know, took care of the rest and, you know, everybody else obviously, you know, did their part and, and, you know, there's a bunch of other players that had a big, a big part in that. But if you have that one guy that can get you, the uh, you know the goal or two you need in a big game and your goalie can make 35 saves you're gonna have yeah. a chance in every single one and with uh chassis and tyler Byrne, that's kind of where we we're at he was so dangerous he could score at any time and then if we put together a defensive game plan and uh you know we didn't allow rebounds and and we didn't let them get second chances then chassis would make the saves and um you know we 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 were we were one game away from being in the super eight playing game that year i mean if we had either beat St. John's prep at home where we lost two to one and Colin Blackwell oh, scored the winning goal. And oh God, if we I'll had, never forget uh, that. Yeah. I mean, that was a tough, we, you know, we had it all lined up. We were ready to go. We had, everybody was in the right spot and he just, he just did a little bit extra and beat us. And, uh, and then we lost to Burlington um, yeah. later that week. And that's why we didn't end up in a playing game. It just, you know, we came down to that last week of the season and it came down to that a few times. Um, and, you know, uh, we, we struggled sometimes in very close games and, 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 you know, but we were always right there. Yeah. And going back to Willie, he, when I saw him play, he, he reminded me of, uh, do you remember Liam Coughlin? Of course. He, they skate the same way, like that big lanky left-handed shot and yeah. going back to the goalie situation. It's like kind of him with uh, Shane Starrett, who now is playing for the big, he's going to be, probably the Edmonton Oilers next goalie. Yeah. Which is crazy. What, what, uh, what people don't remember about Will is senior year. He got, he was out for 10 games. Um, we had played BC high early in the season and Will scored a goal. The referees didn't see it go in the net and it came out. Uh, it went in and out of the net. It rimmed around the back of the net and came out. The referees, uh, they said no goal. It said, he said it didn't go in the net. And I know people behind the net said, there's no question it went in and, when it rang out, they brought it down the other end of the ice and scored. And we had the that's, unfortunate. That's how it works. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and then Billy Pescasolito broke a skate. He had to take the skate off. And in the meantime, 
Uh, they scored another one, so um, but they ended up beating us in a close game. But you know, if Will had played in all ten of those games that he missed, I don't think there's any question that we would have been a top six uh, Super Eight team that year. I, I really, I really think that's where we would have been. That's what we deserve to be. And um, I mean, I, I can't say for sure, but I, I really think we would have been in a situation where we wouldn't have been in a playing game. And, uh, and, you know, and if we had won our playing game that year against Belmont, we would have played St. John's Prep at Loring Arena. And um, it never got lost on Will and Scotty Savard that they missed a chance to play a Super 8, play, a, a Super 8 game at Loring. And that's why it was – people don't realize how special it was for those guys to, to accomplish that this year to play against Arlington at Loring. It was kind of like realizing that, you know, thing that – they never got to his players, so that was yeah. uh, that made it extra special. That reminded me of the, the our senior year, the Natick game at Loring. That's that environment was so similar, just yeah. because the the like I mean I was there, but I hadn't seen the rink like that since the Natick game where we lost in overtime. Yeah, well, I, people ask me when's the last time it was this crowded against Arlington. I said it's not. I've never seen the rink with this many people in it. You yeah. know, and, and those native games were loud. You couldn't hear yourself. But um, this was, the, you know, there were more people in the stancer in this game. There's no question about it. But, um, yeah. I mean, you know, negligibly, uh, I think, you know, there was probably 2,500 during the games we played. But there had to have been over 3,000 there against against Arlington. And But, yeah. you know, it, against Natick, it's a special situation, you know. And I remember, uh, I think, Lib, you scored a goal in that game. I know you did. Um, and I think this we were down 2 nothing. Yep, yeah, Drew we were down two yeah. nothing, right? right. Yeah. Two one one. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, and then we had you know we had some bad luck too, and you know ended up in uh, both those games we lost in overtime. Somehow the puck just managed to get on somebody's stick and had a, the kid had a wide open shot both times, and it was just one of them one of them yep. freaky things. But you know, hey, that's life. You learn from it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I won. I so I think him and I both have answers for you on this one, and we're gonna ask you a question. So, who is the best player you coached? Who is the best player you coached against? So him and I both have answers. We're both gonna give it to you. I think we we might both be right on this one. Uh, uh, coaching against. I mean, I don't think there's any better players. And uh, I mean, Matt Green was real, real good. He went to BC. Um, we played against some, a bunch of kids who were D1 recruits who ended up at Merrimack. But for my money, if I could take one kid that when I was coaching, if I could take one kid and start a team, I'd take Colin Blackwell all day. Yeah, that's who we <laughs> said. Not was only was he a great player, um, he, yeah, he was, I mean, he was the total package too in high school. Like he was yeah. a guy that, uh, you know, played multiple sports. He had good grades. He was completely bought in and, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of a lot of guys who are yeah. you know right next to him in that category. I mean, we played against Arlington kids who went to BC. I mean, the Gannon kid went to Boston College, and so yeah. there was a lot, lot of D1 talent that we played against over the years. And uh, but Blackwell sticks out in my mind. Yeah, Liam and as Coughlin far as the guys we had so playing for too. us, I mean, Billy Pescasolito. Oh yeah, Liam was unbelievable, unbelievable player. I mean, he had I think, I mean, in the MHL Cup one year. Um, at Loring, I think he had like yeah. nine points in two games, you know, yeah, he, and was the MVP of the tournament. Yeah. I was going to say uh, maybe even like Kirker. Sam Kirker, Kirker was another one. Uh, Brian oh, yeah. Penno I mean, was another one. Oh, God. He was unbelievable. Went to Providence yeah. and Kirker won a was the national championship. You and then went somewhere else. Yeah. Fitzgerald yeah, no, and I, Collier. I, I, I remember watching him. Oh, yeah. Both unbelievable players. Yeah, they were – I mean, that Malden Catholic team, they destroyed us, ran us out of the building. That they're was not, not a fun one. They're but, not uh, relevant anymore. Yeah, so uh, – They're not relevant uh, anymore. Uh, well, it's – they've come on some tough times recently, and I know they have a new coach, and they'll yeah. probably, you know, be back competitive in no time. But um, as far as the guys I coached, I mean – you know, obviously, there's a whole bunch of different guys that you think of who are really good players. And, uh, um, I mean, Ortiz has probably obviously got to be 
you know, somebody who accomplished the most after playing at Framingham High School. And, um, but, you know, Tyler Byrne and, and we had a series of goaltenders. Al Lynch is like, you know, you don't get any better human being, you know. And, exactly. And there's, there's a whole bunch of guys that I could go down the list of good players, good people. And, um, you know, it was uh, it would be hard to single one guy out. But I think as far as like, you know, pure talent, you'd have to look at, you know, Will being the guy that, um, you know, I would probably single out. So I think him and I were two for two on that. Yeah, we we both yeah. had those. Yeah, I I knew Black. I was like, "There's no way it's not Blackwell." I've never seen someone like that. That the speed, the hands, the vision. It was it was a men playing as boys when he played. Yeah, and he's a clean player too. You know, yep. he never did anything new. Embarrasses jersey. He, you know, yep. he always uh, played it the right way. Yeah, DJ Walsh was another one that was so good on uh, Needham. That was another one, but I don't. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. I think he played D three. Yeah, need him yeah. out of string of good teams. I mean, there was a six year period where we couldn't, we just couldn't beat them. I mean, they were just so yeah. good every single year, and you know, we would we would be trying everything to to get them off their game, or you know, try to pull an upset. And but I mean, you know, they were qualifying for the Super Eight every year with you know one or two Division One players in their team. So you know, that's tough to go up against. You know. Yeah, Tyler Piacentini is another one. Uh, I was actually – the other kid that was on the team with him, Riley Flanagan, I went to college with, who I ended up becoming good friends with too. Yeah, they, they were real good. I mean, they yep. were another Super 8, you know. You guys team. beat them. I mean, in 06 we played uh, – in 06, I think it was 06, we played um, a game against Weymouth. They were the best team, supposedly the best team in the league, and we were supposedly the best team in the league. And uh, we went down to play them at the at the Pilgrim Arena, and yep. we got there an hour before the game. And you, there was there was no place to sit an hour before the game. When we got there, it was it was that crowded, and um, it reminded me of the Framingham Hingham game from this past year. I mean, the people were three deep at the glass, and uh, and we we won that game. We went down there and beat them, and we kind of had them game planned out and knew what we had to do, you know, to get under their skin and sort of. Um, ruffle their feathers a little bit and we played a real good defensive game plan and we actually played a one two two so if you're looking for a new name <laughs> for your podcast you might use the one two two yes but uh we, we 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 actually used it successfully that game and and you know they were convinced it was a, a trap which it really wasn't we were we were just playing off their wings and every time they'd look and see them open we'd jump right yeah. on them and make them recycle it and make them you know make them break it out again and and eventually they'd make a mistake and we'd get a shot on goal. And, you know, we ended up being able to being able to get out of there with a win. You guys also had a big – And that year they they ended up in the Super 8 finals that year. We were the only ones to beat them. They, they had lost one game until they played BCI in the finals, and that was the game that we beat them. And then we went and played that same team. I think it might have been 07. I can't remember if it was 06 or 07. But that uh, same team, we played uh, the Rhode Island State champions um, – uh, gosh, Bishop is it Bishop Hendrickson? Bishop Hendrickson, thank you. Yeah. yeah, we played Bishop Hendrickson down in Rhode Island, and I had drove down and scouted their team. Uh, they used to play on Fridays and Saturdays, so I went down there on a Friday night, drove to some godforsaken rink in Rhode Island, and scouted them. And we really kind of knew everything they were going to do, and we knew all about their kids. We had a good scouting report, and we we ended up playing them in Springfield, and it was amazing that, you know, if you drew up a good scouting report, the guys would recognize it. They'd completely buy in on, you know, coach, this is your, you know, what you said is true. This is what we got to do. And, um, and so, you know, it turned out that we ended up beating them and they won the state finals in Rhode Island. So we were the only team that, you know, beat, uh, you know, that yeah. Bishop uh, Hendricken and we were the only team to beat Weymouth. So that, that was kind of a nice accomplishment for us. Yeah, and they they beat teams probably like the Mount then too, who were like the Mount was the Mount's the Mount, like they are like the the god of Rhode Island hockey. Yeah, yep. at the time they were still good, so you know they've they've taken so on some tough times recently. You also had a big tie against uh, Hangham when they won the Super Eight in two thousand ten. Chassis stood on his head yeah. that game. Remember? Yeah, I remember yeah, that a, game. A, and a, a week later, we tied Brookline. Yeah, no, it was like it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was within, it was within that week. You're like. Yeah, we yeah. The highest of high to the lowest of lows. Yeah, I used to keep those two. I'd keep those two score sheets on my uh, on my wall at school. 
And kids would say, Mr. Spear, why do you have this, the two score sheets on the wall? I said, because it just goes to prove you can be the best and the worst in the same week. <laughs> and uh, Brookline, you know, Brookline, unfortunately for them, they, they were, you know, they weren't, they weren't that good at the time. And I think they were statistically ranked, you know, last in D1 and, and Hingham ended up winning the Super 8. So certainly it proved to me something, you know, it's, uh, it's about your, your will and your approach. And not so much about, you know, how much talent you have. It's about competing that day. Yep. Thank you for fixing my plus minus Dedham and Brookline. <laughs> Point and, New- and, Newton- and Newton North. <laughs> there, was, there was this one time Aaron and I were, were stepping out on the ice for the Brookline game. And we're like, dude, we got to get back to even on the plus minus. We're like my, we're like dash three, and I think we both had hat tricks that game. And we're like, God, we're even. Yeah, he's not. He's not going to take us off the third line. It wasn't. Uh, it was never easy having a real good plus minus, just because yeah. of the nature of the competition we played. You know, we were always like top ten hardest schedules in the league, and that's like in in the state. Like we played, like him and I are senior year. We played. Because him and I were always like the match line against the top one because you'd always put Ryder, Corey, and KP against like line two because it was just like there was an easier miss, like there was a mismatch there. But I remember we played SJP. We played like I matched up against like matched up against like six D1 commits in like a month. I was like, this is getting insane. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. That's that was the schedule and I wasn't yeah. going to change it. You know, we were just going to ride it out and, uh, hope we got better but i um i like playing those teams you know and i, I did too i always thought you know if you could figure out uh, a good defensive line you know and you could match them against the other team's top line um you know and then you could figure out a way to be plus one or you know or or score on the on the special teams and you know then you have a chance to win so yeah. you know there was always some kind of formula that you were, you were yeah, I'll never forget when we beat Norwood Hyde Park that was to get us in the playoffs like that was when we we were we knew that we um had enough points to get in and we hadn't hit it our sophomore junior year so that was a special feeling and I ended up scoring the game winning goal that game which was awesome but I'll never forget winning the Bay State at home that was a bit that was one of the best feelings I've ever had playing hockey oh yeah it was the last last uh league game and we had the shirts too to celebrate after yeah did we have them in, tied up in a box that year? Is that the yeah? Year they we, were in the yep, box. Yep. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. had the long, the long sleeves. Yeah, you and came I, yeah. in with the box, and you were like, "You were trying to open the box, and you just like threw it, and like we just like yeah. ripped that thing open." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we brought it in at the beginning of the year and said, "You know, you never get to open this if you don't, you know, accomplish the goal." And so it's nice to have that little prop sitting there and get a chance to open it up, right? Yeah, and it was always it was we had great like guys that we learned from you know a guy that I always felt like was underrated on that 2010 team who was an awesome guy is Tommy Leone I really respected him a lot yeah he was Tom is a great player he's on the fire department with uh Chief Dutcher now and uh that's awesome uh, yeah you know it's great and uh I know that uh I know he's coaching with Brett Moreau and you know working with the JV team and you know his he had two other brothers they were always the just the, the best family that you could uh, – the best kids you could want to be around. I mean, you know, yep. Stevie and – I remember Stevie playing a game against Springfield Cathedral, and we told him, Stevie, just don't come off the ice unless you can't move, you know, unless you're so <laughs> tired that, you know, you feel like you're going to pass out. Otherwise, just stay out there. And I played a, basically an entire third period, you know, and uh, Nick and Tommy were great guys with great teams and always just like the guys yep. that – you wish you had 22 of them because um, they never caused you any headaches and always were. Um, and their family was always doing extra for the team. So just great yeah. stuff. And then I'll never forget seeing Zeeland, Averill, and Nuge after – because we had to pull the goal at the, Cah- the Cahoon Cup to try to make the playoffs. And the feeling they had when they didn't make the playoffs, I think that kind of stuck with us the next yeah. two years until we yeah. made it. That was a tough – that was a tough – I remember there were about five minutes left in the game. We were up by a goal, yeah. and we ended up with a power play. And we talked about it and said, hey, should we just send five guys out there? We're up by a goal and not worry about scoring and just get the, try to get rid of the last five minutes of this game? Or should we put a power play out there 
and try to end it. And we decided, all right, let's go with the power play. If we score, we're up by two. There's, you know, four and a half minutes left. We pretty much, we feel like, you know, we'll have the game and we'll be in the tournament. And we would have we won the Cahoon Cup. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, a puck jumped over inexplicably, just jumped over Zealand's stick. And their kid yeah. brought it in and somehow managed to put it in the net. Um, and then, you know, it was a tie game. And I think we pulled the goalie with maybe 30 seconds left. And I was really hoping that they kind of knew that we needed to pull the goalie. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping that if there were like under 10 seconds left, they might just dump it in and play the overtime. But yeah, unfortunately they stuck it in the net on us and, and they got their trophy back and, and we ended up missing the tournament. So it was pretty disappointing, but um, you know, that's the way life works. Um, two years ago, uh, Billy Pescasolito couldn't um, make the Super 8 uh, game against Marshfield. And uh, Will and Scotty said to me, hey, would you mind, uh, you know, would you want to help out in the game? And I'm like, absolutely. You're kidding me. I had been around the team a bunch and was going to some practices, both the girls and boys team. And, you know, it's nice to be around. And those guys kind of include me a little bit. So that's fun. And then uh, so I got to coach in that game, just, you know, running the D a little bit and, uh, you know, offering whatever words of encouragement I could to, to the guys. And uh, after the game, uh, it was exciting to, to be on the bench for that win, um, you know, and to sort of be able to say, you know what, my last game, I won. So that was kind of kind of fun for me. Yeah. You know? That's awesome, too. Yeah, especially that's in good. That and especially in that environment, that's that's got to be a special oh, feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, Billy, had, he had a business trip, so, you know, he had to go and um, – you know, and after the game, Will does a thing where he gives out this uh, – he gives out, like, a, a conductor's hat after every game. Um, everybody's got something different, and that's that's what he yeah. does. And uh, after the game, I went in the locker room figuring he's going to give the conductor's hat to one of the kids, and he ended up giving it to me, and the guys went crazy. And um, <laughs> you know, That's that awesome. That made me feel good. Yeah, I, I had to wear it the next day in school, so um, I got a picture <laughs> of that in my, in my office and uh, – you know, it was fun because I think the guys, I think the kids in the team know um, how much the program means to me and um, how excited I was. And then, you know, just to like even peripherally be just a part of it and have the guys feel like, you know, uh, kind of accept me. That was great. and It made me feel good. So that was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely gave chills, especially me going to the Arlington game. I hadn't been to Loring forever just because I've been, you know, I was at college and just never really got back into like watching high school hockey. But yeah, I went, I, it was out of the blue. I was like, Oh yeah, let's go. So my dad and I went and, you know, his connections, we were able to uh, park right next to the Zamboni door. Richie let us in and we were on the glass and I was actually sitting right next or standing right next to uh, coach Leone for the entire yeah. game. His, his kid's very good. Oh yeah. He's outstanding. Tom's really good yep. player. And, uh, I mean, that team's filled with good players and filled with good kids. And, you know, yeah. they, they take all the coaching and, and I mean, you know, they, they're, they're listening in the film sessions and they listen to the scouting reports and, you know, there's not a lot, there's, there's just no distractions with those, with those guys. That, yeah. they're, they they're, came out like a bat know, out of hell. On the hockey. Yeah. I mean, we had every chance to win that game. Their Arlington yeah. team was real good, yeah. but, you know, you get in that spot and you lose by a goal and you lose on a good goal. Yeah. I mean, you know, they scored a, a real nice goal to win the game. And, you know, you, you tip your hat to them and say, hey, you guys were really good. Um, but, you know, for us to be in that position certainly is, you know, this season yeah. was historic. I told the guys in the Zoom meeting the other day, it's as good a season as Framingham High School has had since the two schools um, reunited. And, you know, everything yeah. is relative. So, um, you know, whatever they accomplished is – is just as good as any other team at any other time. Uh, it's it's awesome seeing where Framingham Hockey's going from what it was, you know, back and it's had its ups and downs, you know, when us not us not make the playoffs, but you know, since him and I left, it seems like it's just been yeah. on a upward trajectory. So it's 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 nice to see as as former alums. Yeah, well, I think we've always been relevant, you know. I don't know that we've always been considered one of the top public schools. I mean, you know, we've, we're always in the super eight mix. We're always, you know, sitting right there, you know, yeah. hovering around it. Um, but it's, it's really nice to have seen the breakthrough over the last couple of years and, uh, and, you know, to get there 
and to be competitive. You know, one of the things that, you know, I think this group of kids, they weren't just happy being there. They wanted to, you know, to break through, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been as an athletic director, it's fun to see. And, um, you know, I certainly like to think that, you know, we had our part in it and, and it was taken over by a great group of guys and they're, they're killing it. Yeah. How, so how do you like in the AD role now? I know you've been in it for a couple of years now. It, was it a, you know, a big transition for you? Um, so what we do in hockey is we give the kids, we give our players a great experience. Um, we have a robust alumni game. We had, you know, a healthy fundraising, you know, group. We, all the stuff we did was to give the guys a great experience and make them feel like, Hey, I'm really proud to have played here. And as you looked around, um, you know, you didn't, you saw maybe some places where that wasn't quite the case and you really wanted to bring what you learned through hockey in terms of giving guys a great experience into other sports. And I think we've, we've been able to do a lot of those things where, you know, um, just start, you know, with our basketball team, they, they have their own locker room now. Um, you know, they do uh, food in the locker room after games. Those are things that we did in hockey. You know, those were, those were things that I, you know, we suggested we have, you know, we've enhanced a lot of the, um, a lot of the game day experience for players um, with football. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really a, a great experience for the guys and being able to bring in a football coach, uh, a basketball coach, a girls basketball coach, a baseball coach, uh, a hockey coach, a girls hockey coach. Um, you know, I've brought in a lot of coaches and we've been able to, you know, establish a culture, um, in framing him athletics. And, you know, I was on a zoom call with the winter coaches the other day and I look and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, our dance team won a state championship. Our cheer team won a state championship. Um, you know, our, our teams are, are doing well and the kids are getting a great experience. Our football team in the playoffs this year, um, for the first time since this playoff format has been, you know, introduced two years ago, we beat Natick at Fenway. Um, and, oh yeah. The you football. Know, yep. Oh yeah. So, I mean, as, as an athletic director to, to have a hand in putting that together, and to see Framingham win and to see the way the people reacted in the city about us beating Natick at Fenway. I mean, yeah. that was, that was an unbelievable experience for me because uh, we put a lot of work into trying to find a coach that, um, that would, you know, put our, put our program together and, and make it legit. And, you know, we've, we've, we had that win at Fenway and won a Bay state cha conference championship. And then again, this year we made the playoffs. So that's cool stuff that's that's awesome it's it's awesome seeing you transition like you know from coaching now like you're in more of a bigger picture role where you're handling so much more than just ice hockey you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean i i really felt as though you know i, I had to when the opportunity came up initially i had said i'm not really interested in doing it uh i i really wanted to win a state championship in hockey and i felt like we had unfinished business but i also realized through the course of my career that you deal with what you can control and winning a state championship was unfortunately something I just couldn't control because it takes luck. It takes timing. It takes everybody to be healthy. Um, I think my last three years of coaching Ryder Lessing broke his collarbone. Alex Moore uh, had a hip injury. So my last three years, we had our best player, I think get hurt all three years and yeah. was out for the season. And so it was like, I mean, you know, I began to realize if we're, if we're going to win a state championship, it's not going to be because I'm coaching or anyone else is coaching. It's going to be because things just fall together in the right way. And, you know, we get a little bit of luck and things just happen the right way. I mean, you know, this year's team say they didn't make the super eight. Maybe they would have won a state championship. Who knows? But um, you know, so I, I sort of decided for myself that I'm not going to stick around and, and keep this spot just waiting to win a state championship. And uh, I really thought we could, we could do a good job helping some other sports. And I also, you know, I, I, I thought, hey, somebody else deserves a chance. And Will had been coaching with us, and it was his time. Looking back from when, like, him and I were freshmen to, like, how hockey is now, it's crazy how much different kids are. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's – I mean, uh, these group of kids – this group of kids here is – they're just a great group of kids. And the focus is on the hockey, and that's good. And – uh Hopefully we'll get through all this uh, Corona stuff. And um, 
I want to invite you guys. We're uh, being inducted into the Coaches Hall of Fame next uh, next May. It was supposed to have been this May, um, but um, because of the Corona stuff, it was put off. But Lib, if you're home next May, then we'd love to have you there. And Aaron, I'll certainly reach out to you so you All can right. come and hang out. Awesome. Say hello. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah, I can't wait. We can't thank you enough for coming on, Coach. We appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. I had fun. Yeah. Keep protecting us, would you? Yeah, I, I will, Coach. <laughs> Aaron, you keep partying, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. I guess I can do that. Yeah. All, All right. right. In episode seven today, we had Coach, the legendary Coach Spear, come on and talk about uh, high school hockey and just reminisce <laughs> on all the uh, all the debauchery and uh, fun times that we had playing well, high school hockey. So we thank you, Coach. All, all you, right, coach. boys. Good talking with you. All right, I'll, I'll talk to you around. later. Over right, take care.